As you know, we've been talking about family and marriage and many of the, the issues and uh, struggles that come in families. And uh, the last couple of weeks, we've, we've gone through some pretty heavy topics. We've hit some, some pretty serious things. We talked about gay marriage and, and how as believers we need to respond to that, that cultural issue. Uh, last week, we talked about pornography and sexual immorality uh, and, and just how... How as Christians we need to be proactive in, in fighting against those things in our own families and in our church family around us. This week we are going to lighten it up just a little bit and we're going to talk about parenting. The title of today's message is Some Assembly Required Instructions for Parents. All of us have had our kids open up those gifts. Somehow we missed it. At, uh, when we purchased those items at Toys R Us, but the, uh, those little fine print words, some assembly required, and, and that's so misleading. They open up that present on Christmas Day, and, and even if you did catch the, 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 the mention of that on, on the cardboard when you bought the, the toy, you, didn't, you know that it's misleading. It, it's, it's not giving you the whole picture. Some assembly required, like 36 hours later, when you're still trying to figure out how to put this wheel on the tricycle or, or how to, you know, where to put the batteries or, or whatever it is, you're scratching your head thinking, some assembly required? Many of us got into parenting and we were excited to be parents and we were uh, excited about the prospects of being, maybe, maybe you even read some books, you attended some classes, you talked to people in your church and you, you knew everything about parenting. Uh, I, I like what uh, one of my favorite pastors, Alistair Begg, says. He said, before I had kids, I had no kids and six answers. And he said, now I have six kids and zero answers. <laughs> Parenting is, is and can be a wonderful but sometimes frustrating and confounding thing. There was a, one woman who was at home doing some cleaning when the telephone rang. In going to answer it, she tripped, o- tripped on a scatter rug and grabbing for something to hold on to, seized the telephone table. It fell over with a crash, jarring the receiver from the hook, and as it fell, it hit the family dog, who leapt up, howling and barking. The woman's three-year-old son, startled by this noise, broke into loud screams. The woman mumbled some colorful words, and when she finally managed to pick up the receiver and lift it to her ear, just in time to hear her husband's voice on the other end say, Nobody said hello yet, but I'm positive I have the right number. <laughs> Many of you can relate to that. Or, or the, wife, the story of the wife of an army colonel who had made an all-night flight to meet her husband at his latest military assignment in Germany. She arrived weary at the Air Force Base in Germany with her nine children, all under the age of 11, collecting their many suitcases the ten of them entered the cramped customs area. A young customs official watched them in disbelief. Ma'am, he said, do all these children and all this luggage belong to you? Yes, sir, she said with a sigh. They're all mine. The customs agent began his interrogation. Ma'am, do you have any weapons, contraband, or illegal drugs in your possessions? She stared at him for a moment. Sir, she answered calmly, if I had any of those items, I would have used them all by now. 
she was allowed to pass without having to open a single suitcase. (laughs) Many of us know what that can be like. Fortunately, God's Word speaks to the subject of parenting and gives us some instructions on how to apply these biblical principles to our family lives. But I do also want to say at the outset, I realize that everybody's in different stages of life and everybody's gone through different life events. There are some here whose children are, are long gone, grown, and, and they've got children. Maybe, maybe their children have children, and, and you're a, a grandparent or a great-grandparent. And so these instructions, I want to encourage you to tailor to yourself. And there are others, I realize, who, whether by choice or, or not by their choice, have, have not had children. And maybe talking about this subject can be very painful and, and uncomfortable. And I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're at in this, in this way, to... Um, to still be willing to hear the word of the Lord and see how you can encourage and pray for those who are in the midst of this adventure of parenting. And I want to um, by no means communicate through this message as, as important as children and parenting are that somehow parents or those with lots of kids instead of just one kid, or somehow more spiritual than those with just a few or, or, or none at all. I, I, there's sometimes in some Christian circles that I've been at that it's, it's almost like a, a contest, that, that the, the, the more kids you have and the, and the better they dress and the more together everything is, that's, that's a, it's a mark of your spirituality. And we want to put away that notion. But there are some instructions from God's Word that I think can help us as parents. And I'm going to put the scriptures on the, on the video board this morning because we're going to be jumping around a, a little bit. And you're welcome to, to try to follow along and, and jump along if, if you want in your copy of God's Word or just read them on the screen. But the first thing that I think that we as parents need to remember is to teach the Word. Teach the Word. Whoops. Teach the Word. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find... Scripture says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. As parents, God gives us the privilege of teaching our children the Word of God. And here in Deuteronomy, God told Moses that the Israelites needed to make it a way of life. It needed to be part of the fabric of their household. When you get up, when you lay down, when you're walking, you need to be teaching the Word of God in your home. And there are different ways that we can do that, but this verse implies that there should be a lot of informal instruction. There should be a lot of just discussions that come up. And as parents, we need to be looking for ways to introduce these topics in your home. Find creative ways to start up conversations about the Lord. It doesn't have to be you getting out with a a big devotional book, although that's I think, is important. We're going to talk about that in a second. But it can be you just answering a question. You just asking a question. Drawing them out from what they talked about in Sunday school class or at Route 28 on Sunday nights. Find ways to introduce the Word of God into your home. I remember uh, just recently, in fact, we had a Jehovah's Witness come to our door with some literature. And 
I explained to them that I had different theological viewpoints that were significant. And uh, they, they thanked me and left me with some of the literature. We talked for just a few moments, and they were on their way. And later that day, when, when my boys got home, I, I, I gave them the pamphlets. And I said, read this and tell me what you think. And it was a great opportunity to evoke some discussion because there were just a couple of lines in there, if you weren't reading carefully, that you could just read over that about some, some serious theological differences regarding the person and work of Jesus Christ. One, one religion says that, that, that Jesus was not God himself. And, of course, the Bible teaches otherwise. And so we had an opportunity to be able to talk about those things. It was a great conversation starter. I've noticed, too, that when they're at school and they come home from school and they've been talking about evolution in the classrooms, uh, that's also a great time to begin talking about what, is, what does Genesis really teach us about the origin of life and, and where did all of this start and, and how, how, did, how, did, how did God create the heavens and the earth? And so we have opportunities that way. Look for creative ways to bring God's Word into your home. But then there's also the formal uh, teaching of God's Word. Maybe this is through going through a devotional book, reading through a Bible story book when they're young, looking for ways to, to make that a part of the fabric of your, human, uh, of your family's existence. Maybe it's after dinner, and you, while you're all there at the dinner table, saying, hey, we're going to take a few minutes and just read a few verses and pray together. It doesn't have to be a gigantic, big worship service that's, you know, all kinds of... A bells and whistles, it can just be a, a simple time of reading God's Word and praying with one another. Bring God's Word into your home. Secondly, I want to encourage you to remember to discipline. Remember to discipline. Proverbs 13.24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Those are strong words. Whoever spares the rod, Solomon says, hates their child. We live in a culture where we are trying to go above and beyond to to coddle our children and and, and meet their needs and to keep them happy. And we don't want to do anything to hurt their psyche and offend them. And so so we, we... we back off and we, we think that we, if we just let our children be themselves then, and, and we not interfere, then, then we're, we're, we're really truly loving them. But here the Bible says if you do that, you hate your kids. We have to be willing to bring discipline into our home. There's a tragic example of, of this being neglected in the Bible. As you know, David uh, had children with several different women. You could back... The, the sin up and say that it started there. And so obviously when it came time to appoint his successor, you can imagine that there's going to be some bickering, some lobbying and jockeying for position. Well, David had already said, my successor is going to be Solomon. <coughs> well, as David is on his deathbed, he's getting old, he's very near the end of his life, one of his, his sons, by one of his wives, Adonijah, who's, who is the, the son of David and Haggith, uh, it tells us in 1 King, 1 Kings 1, 5 and 6, it says, Haggith, uh, Adonijah exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And I don't know if you can read verse 6 there on the screen, but listen to what it says. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done this 
and so. You see, David had not at any point, it says, gone to Adonijah and put him in his place. He had never said, hey, listen, this is wrong. You need to stop it or else. Here are the consequences. And because of that, Adonijah felt so bold that he was going to defy the king's orders and step in and, and push Solomon out of the way. So he started behind the scenes getting chariots and people ready for a big coronation ceremony, all while they're preparing Solomon's ceremony. And it says here in 1 Kings 1.6, it was primarily because David had never stepped in and said no to the kid. Parents, we need to be able to use that word. We need to be able to discipline our children. And I know there's a lot of debate over the manner of discipline, but Proverbs 29 reminds us, uh, Proverbs 29, 15, and 17, the rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest, and he will give you, give delight to your heart. According to the Bible, spanking is biblical. I'm not going to get into a big debate or belabor that this morning, but we need to remember that there is a time and a place for that. Every child is different, and you'll discover that there will be things that are more effective than other things. Maybe it's withdrawing some privileges, uh, time alone. Uh, You have to know your kids well enough to know what works. When they're little, you can't explain to them your reasoning and rationale, but as they get older, you can talk to them a little bit more. This is why we have this rule. And you understand that if if you break it, there's going to be consequences. When they're two, you can't go through that. It's don't touch the outlet or I will swat your hand. And they touch the outlet and you swat their hand. And then you walk away and they see you kind of watching and then they inch back over there. And you you don't sit down and explain. Now, I want you to understand how electricity works, son. You don't don't do that with a two-year-old. It's just very simple and straightforward at that age. But as they get older, it's important that they begin to see your heart. That you're not just disciplining because you get some kind of uh, sadistic joy out of it. you're, You're not disciplining because you have nothing better to do with your time. You're not disciplining because you long to have some sort of authority and this is your one chance for someone to do in your life what they're told. It's you're disciplining because you have a heart to train them to be children who who follow. Jesus Christ. We're given the, the important task to nurture our children, to raise them, the Bible says, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, we're pointing them to God. And when we understand we, we help them understand as they begin to grow up that 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 God has commands too, that He expects us to obey. And there are consequences if if I don't be obedient to my Heavenly Father. And you can begin to shepherd them in this way to see that, that there is someone who, is, who that they are accountable to, just like there's someone that their parents are accountable to. And you can begin to teach them the joy of obedience to God. Being consistent in discipline is also important. Not changing your standards from one day to the next. We need to remember to discipline. Thirdly, we need to encourage their hearts. We need to encourage their hearts. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I think dads, we need to be extra careful of this. And I know that I've been very guilty of this over the years. That I can 
center in and hone in on the things that they're doing wrong and nitpick this. And, and, and maybe there's some legitimate things, but, but before you know it, your whole conversation, your whole manner of communication with your kids is completely negative. Stop it. Don't do it. Go outside and play and give me some space for a while. Stop bugging me. Stop hitting your brother. On and on and on it can go. And if we are taking any time to encourage them and build them up and to let them know what they're doing right, they're going to grow up thinking that they're just, they're just a mess. They're good for nothing because that's all their parents, that's the only time their, their parents communicate with them is when they're doing something wrong. We need to look to God's word and remember how important it is to build each other up. Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Mm, I love that picture. Gracious words are like the honeycomb. You have to understand that at the of Solomon, honeycomb would have been a great luxury. It would have been one of the, the, the sweetest delicacies available. In our world of, of chocolate, maybe we're going to have to fill it in with your favorite dessert. Gracious words are like milk chocolate. Gracious words are like a big bowl of ice cream. Fill it in. Something that is sweet. We just had Halloween last night. I'm fighting off the temptation to raid my kids' candy bags after they go to bed. Those of us with sweet tooth understand, understand the word picture here. Gracious words are just, they're sweet. I mean, how many times have you been picked up by someone when you were feeling down, when you were feeling discouraged, when you were feeling overwhelmed, and someone came and put their arm around you and said, I just want you to know, brother, I just want you to know, sister, that I really appreciate you. And I prayed for you every day this week. <laughs> what does that do to your spirit? What does God do within your soul in that moment? When someone comes to you and says, I just want you to know, I saw you working behind the scenes in the kitchen the other day, and I just really appreciate that. You are such a servant. You, you probably weren't do, doing it to receive the accolades, but, but when someone comes along and notices you and appreciates you and lets you know that they're proud of you and thankful for you, I tell you what, us grown-ups, we never outgrow that. Think about how much more important it is for our children to hear gracious words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The Thessalonian Christians were known for being encouragers, for lifting each other up. And as believers, we need to be known for the same thing. Parents, how are your words of encouragement? Do your words of rebuke and correction far outweigh your words of encouragement? And we need to correct that. We still need, like we said, we still need rebuke. We still need to discipline. But our encouragement needs to be far greater than our negative rebukes. Number four, we need to consider our example. Consider your example. <laughs> As parents, we know that our children are always watching. Always watching. My, one of my kids' favorite movies when they were little was Monsters Incorporated. And there's that, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's that old lady there that's always demanding that they turn in reports and 
Her line is always watching, Wazowski, always watching. Jaden could, could quote that perfectly when he was little. And, and you know, kids are, are very much the same way. They're always watching our, our behavior. They're always watching what we say and do. Which means a few things. Which means, first of all, we have to ask forgiveness. As parents, we need to not be too proud to go to our children and say, I sinned. What you saw me do back there, what you heard me say, the way that I reacted, that was sin. And I need your forgiveness. And I'm going to go to that person and, and ask for their forgiveness too. You see, God has never, never called us to be perfect parents. But He does call us to be humble ones. God doesn't expect us to be sinless, but he does expect us that when that sin arises for us to deal with it properly, for us to bring it before the Lord and and, and, and when necessary before our kids and ask for their forgiveness. We have the privilege, albeit a terrifying one, to represent God to our kids. You see, much of what our children are going to learn about their Heavenly Father will be what they see in their parents. And that's a scary thing. There's a story I read this week about a little girl. Her name was Millie. Little Millie had gone to bed and her father was downstairs reading the paper. Well, a terrible thunderstorm rolled in with lightning and fierce noises. Millie shouted down to her father, Daddy, I'm scared. Come up and help me. Millie's father was engrossed in the paper and shouted back, Don't worry, Millie. You'll be all right. You know God loves you. I know God loves me, cried Millie, but I need something with skin on. (laughs) We need to remember that our kids need us and that often we are representative of who God is in their lives. If we're harsh and demanding, proud, not letting God's word impact our hearts and lives, they're going to have a view of God that's going to be different than what God reveals Himself as in His Word. We need to be conscientious of that. Number five, look to your Heavenly Father. (laughs) Look to your Heavenly Father. Proverbs 2, 3-6 through says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. What great verses. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, God gives wisdom. Listen, there's not a parent in this room. There's not a grandparent in this room. There's not an aunt and an uncle in this room who does not need wisdom to know how to interact with the children in your life. To know how to love them, to discipline them, to teach them, to answer their big questions, to model Jesus. We need wisdom each and every day. Be sure you go to Him and call for it. Ask Him. We studied James and and He told us that if you lack wisdom, let Him ask of God without doubting. And He says He'll honor that. He'll give it to you. It's a gift that He's ready and waiting to give. So go to God and ask Him for wisdom. And number six, pray for them. Pray for them. Ephesians 6.18 is such a great verse on prayer. 
Paul tells the Christians that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He uses the word all four times in this verse. Pray at all times. There should be a consistency in our prayer life. Do you, do you make it a regular time to pray for your kids? Or just when they've really misbehaved or when they've really irritated you? Or when they're going for their first sleepover? The Bible says to pray at all times. We need to make it a, a pattern of consistency. He says make all prayer and supplication. All perseverance. Stick with it. Don't give up on them. Even after they're out of the house, pray for your children. Pray for God's Spirit to be at work on their life. Pray that they wouldn't wander from the Christian life. Pray for the ones that have wandered, that God would convict them and draw them back. Pray that they would long for God's Word. Pray that they would desire to be part of a a community of God's people. Pray that they would share the gospel with their friends. Pray that they would have courage to take a stand for Christ when nobody else in their classroom is. Pray for your children. And we can pray for lots of things. We can pray that God will keep them healthy. We can pray that God will help them do good in school. We can pray that God will help them get good jobs and be successful. But I want to exhort you this morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, pray for their souls. Pray for their hearts. Pray that God will draw them to himself. Pray that they would yearn for Jesus. Because no matter how much money they make in life, no matter how well they do in school, no matter what cars they drive or how many grandkids they give you, more important than all of that stuff is where they are with Jesus Christ. We need to pray that God will have their hearts. And if... You're at a place in life where you realize that <laughs> your, your control is gone. Maybe they're becoming teenagers and it's slipping away. Maybe they're out of the house and you're like, I, I'm, I got nothing anymore. I got no say. I can't discipline them anymore. These other things you've been saying, Pastor, that's fine, but we can't do family devotions. They're not in the house. Uh, um, what am I supposed to do? You pray for them. You pray for them. No matter where they're at, whether they're doing really well in their walk with the Lord or they've wandered away or they were, they were never a part of God's family to begin with, you pray for them. You can't change them. You, you can't control them. By the way, stop trying. <laughs> but you can pray for them. And you can pray, no matter how long and how far they've wandered, you can pray with confidence that God's at work. And you can pray knowing that our God is powerful enough to grab their hearts and draw them back to Himself and to save their souls. I want to encourage you as parents this morning with one last thought. I don't have a blank or anything for this. But just remember grace in your household. (laughs) Remember grace. Receive God's grace for your shortcomings as a parent. The danger in, in this is, really with any, any time you're, you're being convicted, is that you begin to heap guilt on your shoulders and think about all the things you could have done different or all the things you're not doing right and all the things you should be doing better. God's got grace for that. God's got grace for parents who've blown it, 
who are in the midst of blowing it and who will one day blow it. God's got grace for that. There's forgiveness and there's hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We celebrated communion today and it's that death on the cross and his resurrection that gives just bum parents like us any hope. People that blow it, people that say hurtful things, people that ignore the things that we should be paying attention to, God's got grace. And I want to remind you that there's not only grace for you, but I want to encourage you to give grace to your children. Because they're sinners, guess what? Just like their mom and dad. And they are going to blow it. They are going to say things they shouldn't say. And they're going to do things they shouldn't do. Remember forgiveness. Remember to make your home a place of grace. Let's pray. God, we are humbled this morning as we think about the high task and high call of parenting. And I pray that you might help us to be the kinds of parents, the kinds of men and women that you want us to be. And I know, God, that there are some people here uh, in our midst today who are, who are having to raise their children as a single parent. And I want to ask that, that your grace would be strong in their lives especially. This is a difficult enough task for two people. There are those that, that need a double portion of your grace this morning. I pray for those who, who feel like they have blown it, feel like they've, they've hurt their kids, that they would confess that to you if need be and, and, and receive that forgiveness with gratitude. Knowing that today's a new day and, and they can't change the past, but they can go forward and do their best by, your, by the help of your Holy Spirit in the days to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.